Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Shazam, starring Zachary Levi, Mark Strong, Asher Angel, and Jack Dylan Grazer, directed by David Sandberg. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films, the film review podcast that highlights new, old, and strange films with fine spirits. And today we are opening up a new cask and a new whiskey. This is the Duncan Taylor uh, Scotch Whiskey. Uh, it's a 12-year-aged whiskey, and it looks like it won um, a silver category at the World Whiskey Awards, so that's pretty good. What do you think of that, Matt? I really like it. You know, usually we stick to the bourbon, but this uh, Scotch whiskey's got that really interesting sort of peat. I don't, I don't know if it's really peat, but that's what it sort of feels like to me on the back end. Mm-hmm. Real smooth, nice and warm. Um, gosh, you know, since we've been going on, I can't really think of one that we haven't liked, though. I don't know if we're really doing a good job stumping for any of these companies because pretty much every, we like all of them. Something that's been putrid, yeah, exactly. Well, today we're opening up a brand new cask, and Matt and I are very excited to open up this one. This one is With Great Power Part 1, superhero films that we're going to tackle and lead up to the April 26th release of Avengers Endgame, which is uh, maybe one of the most anticipated movies I can think of ever uh, uh, in my in my lifetime. Yeah. But uh, we got a lot of fun superhero talk that we're going to have in our flight and nightcap questions. And we're going to lead that off with today's flight question, you know, being that... You know, the superhero film is kind of in its heyday right now. It's extremely popular with DC and Marvel and on television. It's very prevalent compared to 1978 when you had Donner's Superman. That was about it. So there's arguably 75 plus superhero films. There's a lot. There's a lot of scenes in them, a lot of great scenes. So Matt, my flight question to you is, what are your top three favorite superhero scenes in film? And... um. We'll do it kind of how we did that one. You do your three, I'll do my three. This was fun to go back and research. Mm-hmm. Got a chance to just get on YouTube and look at various scenes that had been in potential. Um, and there's some stuff that didn't quite make it that I sort of feel like would be remiss if I didn't mention. As a big Spider-Man fan, um, you know, there's pieces in those films that I really, really love. Mm-hmm. I loved when... Doc Ock's wife dies and the second original Spider-Man, but that's not in my top three. Mm-hmm. Uh, the handling of Gwen Stacy, which we're going to get to at some point, um, which we didn't even mention that, but we will get to that mm-hmm. later today. I really love. But these three were the ones that really stuck out to me, and I'm going to do them in order of most memorable, okay? So the first one is Yondu's sacrifice to save Quill. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I thought that was handled really well. And I think the arc of of Yondu in that film was pretty dramatic from essentially a really bad villain in the first one. Yeah. To sort of this father figure that kind of gives it up so that Peter doesn't have to, gives up any sort of mortality so that Peter doesn't have to, was really, really, I thought, brilliantly handled. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go so far as to say that, you know, welled up a little bit, but it certainly... It choked me for a minute. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen often in superhero films. So that'd be my that'd be my third. Okay. 
That's a really great scene. I think echoed and then in like his funeral pyre scene with uh, Cat Stevens' father and son song. Yeah. I think done really well. And the way it affected all the characters, not just Quill, but also Rocket in particular, who had a moment with Yondu earlier in the film saying he was nothing and kind of nothing more. And he always runs from the fight. And it really kind of made him see something in himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great moment. Yeah, that, that, that that's really good. Okay, my number three is going to be uh, from Avengers Infinity War, actually. And it's a moment that I'm glad we got to have. And I got to thank two people the reason why we had this scene. The first is Taika Waititi. And I, and I got, we also have to thank Chris Hemsworth as well. They totally reinvented the Thor character in Thor Ragnarok. And thank goodness, too, because that character was very forgettable for me. In all of his entries, he was just kind of like another member. He didn't really stand out. He was kind of eh, kind of a bore. And then that movie came along and totally stripped down the conventions of that character. And him losing Mjolnir, getting it destroyed, was the best thing that could have ever happened to that character. And they really refined him, made him a little funnier, really brought that humor out. So the moment I'm picking is when Thor arrives in Wakanda for the battle they're having there. For a moment, that's really interesting because, you know, everyone's kind of getting their ass handed to them in that that scene at to that point. And here just comes a flash of light with Thor, Rocket, and Groot. And for most of these characters, like Black Panther, they've never even seen Thor. They don't even know who this guy is. They haven't seen him for maybe four or five years. So it's a bit of a surprise. And man, does he just totally throw the hammer down on that thing and... I don't know what how your theater was, but my theater had like uproarious applause at that moment. Like it was just so like goosebumps on, on your arms when that happened. Yeah, my theater did the same. The uh, character that was Thor under the direction of Kenneth Branagh is a lot different than Taika Waititi's character. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. Yeah. yeah I don't have uh, the disinterest in the early Thor that you did, like I know mm-hmm. for you that Dark World is barely a, even a palatable film. Like I know you don't love that movie. <laughs> I know, yeah. I don't dislike it as much, but mm-hmm. I do see kind of where you come from on, on some of the criticisms there. But yeah, for him to show up the way that he did and like the introduction to my friend Tree and that whole bit and um, Rabbit, the way he calls Rocket Rabbit. It's, it, the whole thing is just, it's delivered. If, if Thor's not delivered comedically, then he can be very heavy and overbearing. Mm-hmm. And I don't need Shakespearean theater yeah. in the Avengers. It's already... Comics by their nature are already a melodrama. Yeah. It's forever in the second act. Yeah. Right? Comics are always in the second act. You're never going to get out of the second act because then the story has to come to a conclusion in the third act. So you're forever in second act slag mm-hmm. or lagville. Mm-hmm. And it's already melodramatic enough without his overwrought regalness yeah and they do a really good job with the reins being sort of passed and i agree ragnarok does a fantastic job so okay good i love your i love your for your Sweet. third entry okay so number two for me is actually from spider-man the second one by sam raimi okay it's a train sequence okay um the amount of damage that his body takes to stop the train from going over mm-hmm. and then the way that the characters on the train grab him and sort of raise him backwards and move him through the community in a sense. And if you look at the scene, mm-hmm. it's makes and models and shapes and sizes of all people there. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the more endearing parts of Spider-Man is that he's literally an everyman. Mm-hmm. 
He's every man. If you've ever been tripped or dropped the books or didn't get the girl or had tragedy, which is everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that acceptance of him um, with his mask off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not to be remiss. It's certainly a biblically looking pose as yeah. he's sort of kind of laid out like he's been crucified. Yeah. Which would be the sacrificial element of, you know, the Jesus reference to save mankind. Exactly. Literally is what just happened. <clears throat> mm-hmm. That scene for me is terrific. Mm-hmm. And to me, mm-hmm. it's Sam Raimi's best handling mm-hmm. of that character in his three endeavors into that. That's my seminal Sam Raimi Spider-Man moment. Yeah. You reached that pinnacle. So well There's done. a great line in that scene too where one of the passengers is like, he's just a kid. He's no older than my son. And collectively he like kind of reaches up and his mask is gone and they bring it to him and everyone's like, don't worry, we won't tell anybody. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's really powerful bit of storytelling right there mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of these movies can be, you know, in the Zack Snyder way of filmmaking, kind of a lot of bouncing around and you can't even really comprehend what the hell's going on. It's moments like this that I really like. Yeah. So coincidentally, my number two is also from Spider-Man two, the same movie but not that sequence. It's actually a sequence that happens a little earlier. And it's when Peter Parker decides it's time to confess to Aunt May that he's responsible for Uncle Ben's passing. Mm-hmm. So this is a scene of just two people at, at, at a table. And he's kind of going over all the events of the wrestling match and stopping the burglar that he didn't. And then him shooting and gunning Uncle Ben. But not leaving like the Spider-Man bits out. That's a really hard scene to watch because you see the struggle that Peter has just trying to get these words out of his mouth and how it's reciprocating to Aunt May. And it's just hammered in with that when he tries, he's like, I, I tried so, I, I tried so many ways to tell him he reach, goes to reach for her hands and she kind of recoils and just goes upstairs. Kind of really doesn't know what to say or how to respond to her, ne- or her nephew. I think it's a really powerful moment, and it's maybe the, mo- the, the 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 best dramatic moment I think of in any superhero movie that I've seen. I really like that 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 part and what it means for those characters. That's just a damn good movie, <laughs> so to speak. Like that movie's cranking on all cylinders. That's a really delicate piece in the Spider-Man canon. Is the Aunt May Peter Parker? Does she know? Doesn't he know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head which numeric comic it was, but it was in Straczynski's run on Amazing Spider-Man when Aunt May finds out. Mm-hmm. And it's drawn and written so beautifully well. I think it's John Romita Jr. is on the the art in that particular mm-hmm. comic. Spider-Man just had his ass handed to him and he comes home and he basically passes out on the bed and Aunt May walks in. Mm-hmm. And most of that comic is them coming to terms with her figuring out what he is, who he is, and what that has meant for the past, you know, 60 years of continuity, but mm-hmm. whatever time existed in yeah. comic bookville, you know, for uh, for Parker. Mm-hmm. I think that scene that you mentioned does that equally well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not as long and there's not as much history. Yeah. But it's a really fine line because if, if one of those characters misses that, then you screw up mm-hmm. what's a really seminal piece. Yeah. Of Spider-Man, because the whole reason he doesn't ever want to be found out is he's worried what harm is going to come to his loved ones, mm-hmm. which is sort of the reason superheroes wear masks and comment in uh, costumes, right? Yeah. But he realizes in so doing, in that movie and also in this comic, mm-hmm. that he's caused so much pain in so far as being 
Spider-Man regardless. Mm-hmm. Can't win if you do. Can't win if you don't. Damned if you do. Damned if you don't. Beautiful. That what you just damned if you do and damned if you don't. That that should be like the definition of Spider-Man too, because that's exactly that's everything about that movie. That that whole opening twenty minutes is like Peter's worst day ever. Fired from his job, late to school, fired from Jameson, this and that, late his own birthday, late on the rent. Like it's the worst day you could possibly imagine. That's a that's an amazing film. We I, we should talk about that movie one day. We should. All right, Matt, you're number one. It's funny because you already mentioned the movie. Okay. It's actually 1978's Superman. Mm. Richard Donner's Superman. The scene that did it for me as a little boy, as five years old, and did it for me again this weekend, is Lois's death. And mostly it's delivered because Christopher Reeve sells it very, very well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for those of you that haven't seen it, the earth opens up, Lois's car falls in. Mm -hmm. He hears her. But the man who's faster than the speeding bullet can't quite get there in time. Mm-hmm. He pulls her out. Mm-hmm. She's been basically crushed or suffocated by the dirt that's kind of enveloped her car as she's fallen into the crack. Yeah. Pulls off the door, hauls her out, gently cradles her in his arms, mm-hmm. kisses her, no response, lays her down. There's that moment when she lays her down and she kind of falls funny and he kind of, ooh. Yeah. And then he lets out Freaks the out. most primal scream yeah. that has ever been uttered, including all of horror. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember as a little boy watching that scene thinking like, man, this is hard to watch. Like it used to really trouble me because it just echoes and echoes in the fury that ensues post scream from him, which is we can get into the physics of spinning the earth backwards or whatever. And I don't, I don't even care about that. Yeah. That two minutes, I think it's two minutes and 17 seconds from the time that he hears her Mm -hmm. to the time he launches himself. Mm -hmm. And then there's a little bit extra before he starts to reverse the spin of the earth and that's the voices that he hears from the heavens from his father mm-hmm. that were warning him saying you shouldn't have done this and then mm-hmm. his own if I have all these powers and I can't save yeah. these people that's it for me it's my favorite moment way back in 1978 I wanted to make sure yeah. so I went back and watched it yeah. just a little while ago yeah. it still has the same reverence for me now as it did in 1978 Christopher Reeve kills that character yeah and in that moment that yell for those of you who hadn't seen it just pull it up just go to youtube and go to lois's death sequence mm-hmm. it's fantastic yeah yeah that's good that's yeah i got i got chills just remember remembering that ah. that, that that pit and it just flies flies in the end and jorel talking you know, it is forbidden you can't use your power for this and this and that yeah great scene and i also echo yeah christopher reeve was put on this earth to do not just play that but to do to do other things he's a great advocate after you know he lost the ability to to walk but i can't think of when i think of superman i i just i picture his face it's he's forever symbolized with that character yeah regardless of how many people play him since or after yeah excellent it's a great number one so all right what do you got so my number one as you know, Matt, I'm, you know I'm a Batman guy. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I did, and I, I had to cheat a little bit. I, I had to pick two scenes, and I, there was a, a lot of scenes I wanted to pick from this movie, but I, I, I went with two. And they're both from The Dark Knight, and I want to explain why I picked these two scenes. The first is the convoy chase to, um, to stop the Joker. And this sequence I really love because it's the perfect blend. And when action films do this, this is when you have memorable action sequences. It's a perfect blend of practical, stunt effects, and CGI. And when they're meshed well and one doesn't overhand on the other, they work in a seamless sequence. The other perfect example I'd give you is the 
Tyrannosaurpedic sequence in the first Jurassic Park. Perfect blend of CGI and practical effects. And that's a very exciting sequence. And, and then when they, they flip that tanker, which is something they actually did in the streets of Chicago, it's pretty remarkable. There's not a lot of movies really doing that type of effect work. Yeah, that's Nolan's just has that scope within him. But then the other scene I want to pick is actually the, 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 the parting lines of the film where, you know, all the cards have been played, Dent's dead, and, you know, Batman's going to take the fall for for the greater good of the city, for the soul of Gotham, which he's been in a fist fight with the Joker this whole time for really the the soul and the, and the people of Gotham. In a film that's all about duality, I think the last three lines of the movie echo that perfectly. He's, he's not our hero. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector, a dark knight, which is the title of the movie. It's who he is. But there's the duality between Batman and, and, and Two-Face Harvey Dent, Batman and the Joker, Gordon Gordon and, and, and Two-Face, and these two sides of, this, of the coin and which one's it going to land on for this city. I love that parting delivery by uh, Gary Oldman as Commissioner Gordon. It's interesting is I equally love those sequences mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. What strikes me in these six scenes that you and I have mentioned, yeah. only one of the six scenes is really an action sequence. Yeah. Gets to the crux of what this is. It's the delivery of like human emotion mm-hmm. just with the cape on it. Yeah. And I think that is at its essence what drives the superhero story. Mm-hmm. Is we can talk about before you were a superhero and then the death and reincarnation, which come back as the superhero. Yeah. Okay, we can get into that if you'd like. But each of the ones that we like for me it's death twice yeah and then community acceptance once Mm -hmm. like think it's not the big fight on top of the train against Mm -hmm. doc ock or it's not because the the other one that was close like was really close with the yondu Mm -hmm. peter cohen for me Mm -hmm. is thanos killing gamora Mm -hmm. like i actually feel his pain in that now he's a bastard and you're not supposed to do that and yeah he's really troubled having to kill his his daughter Mm -hmm. and that's just really i think speaks to despite how big the characters are or the situation is the gravity of like the human emotion Mm -hmm. still needs to drive story exactly excellent i think those that that, those that's a great top three we might have to do for the next one you put a bug in my ear talking about christopher reeve we might have to do top three best castings in superhero films like, okay. Because there's not just him, but I think there's about three or four other actors that were born to play the parts that they're playing. So we might have to do that one in a in a coming episode. Good idea. But yeah, let's get right to the happy hour. Let's get to what everyone's here for. Let's get to our review of Shazam. Shazam begins with the family of, wait a minute, Matt, pop quiz. Oh, God. What was the villain's name in this movie? Okay, so this is actually really funny. For those of you, and none of you don't, you wouldn't know this. I'm terrible with names. Jesse and I will look back to things we've written or talked about. I'm terrible with names. Awful. Especially character names. Yeah. But I can tell you the villain in this name, and you're going to be shocked because it's Dr. Savannah. Okay. And the only reason I know that is because I like the actor that plays him so much. Okay. But that's the only reason Excellent. I can give you that. Because normally this would be, I don't know, Frank. We'll just call him 
person X. Yeah. I just know it's Dr. Savannah. Matt gets a passing grade for this one, but we'll have to see if he passes the next pop oh, quiz. It won't. <laughs> Trust me. So I, I mentioned that because I had a problem remembering, like, well, what the hell was that guy's name? Because I'm not, like, the Shazam aficionado. I'm not, like, fully immersed in Shazam lore. I had to go look it up. And I think a lot of that, too, and I want to just kind of give, like, a little precursor here i did really enjoy a lot of this movie but this aspect and you know for 85 percent of these comic book movies we've talked about this at nausea me and you man the villains i i feel at times are done very weak so unmemorable and he kind of fell into this this part for me i love mark strong too and he plays a great villain uh, he's got that that voice and, you know, that, that bald dome of his, like, really certainly helps, too. But there wasn't anything that really stuck out to me that, like, really made me, like, oh, yeah, that was Thaddeus Savannah, Dr. Savannah. So that's something I had a problem with. I don't know if, I don't know if you felt the same way. Um, I don't know if I did, mostly because as much as you're not the Shazam or Captain Marvel before Marvel Enterprises sued them for that name and they mm-hmm. had to sort of walk it back to just name him Shazam which should be his name anyway they should just name him Lawsuit because that's like one of like three lawsuits this character's had (laughs) yeah how many freaking Captain Marvels do we need and then there's Marvel like whatever okay so um I think it stuck with me because it was sort of a brand new exposure like I know Black Adam Mm -hmm. I think most people probably know Black Adam yeah I don't know who the hell Dr. Savannah was yeah and then As I started thinking about it, I remember that my daughter was watching like a Justice League Unlimited cartoon. Mm -hmm. And I think Dr. Savannah is in that. Oh, wow. And I I may be wrong. We may get killed with like, no, it's not. You're an idiot. And for all those (laughs) DC people that I'm offending, I'm sorry if that's wrong. But that name stuck with me. It's mostly because of Mark Strong, though. Like, I love Mark Strong. Yeah, great actor. Yeah. From Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy to Soldier... Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy to uh, Kingsman to... Mm -hmm. The yeah. Jason Clark, yeah. Claude Rains of the villainy world. There, right? there you go. Yeah, he was even he 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 was Sinestro in that terrible. Oh, that's Green right. Lantern he movie. sure was. I yeah, yeah. So this isn't his first foray into that. I don't know. I just he didn't like leave that mark. Like Thanos leaves a mark on you. Doc Ock, man. Like, so I re- can I just say something? Go ahead. If you can't remember the villain's name, because yeah. you're way better at that than I am. Yeah. I don't know if that portends very well. Are we looking at another Ronan-esque moment in film for you? I don't know. Ronan-esque in so, insofar as their listeners for a villain that Jesse could give a damn about. Yeah, it, it felt very similar to kind of how it was done in, in Aquaman. You know, obviously, you know, Black Manta, but the Ocean Master? Like, what the hell? Like, they didn't... Okay, first, so they didn't do anything memorable on screen to rem- have me remember, oh, that sequence. Like, there's not that, oh, pushing Gamora or the thing, or there's no this Joker with, like, the pencil. Like, those moments that make you remember the villains. And to me, and you, you know, we, we like good villains. Yeah, I don't know how a lot a lot of them in these in these movies end up so lesser. Vanilla. Vani- bland. Yeah, vanilla. Cookie cutter. Vanilla plans, vanilla execution. Maybe a great performance by the actor, but nothing that you like leave the theater and be like, oh yeah, that villain, yeah, like I really remember him. I had that feeling with with this one a little bit. But we start out with Thaddeus Savannah as a little boy with his family, you know, they're driving down this this icy, this icy road, and you know, they have an interesting relationship. They're like all arguing and fighting and whatever. And he's transported like to the Rock of Eternity and meets the current Shazam. Uh, who's 
currently serving. He's the last on the Council of the Seven Wizards. And the rest of the Seven Wizards were, 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 they were all killed off by the one who unleashed the sins upon the world, the Seven Deadly Sins. So, you know, it's pretty interesting because this Shazam is looking for a new champion. And it's probably what he's been doing the last hundred thousand years. And uh, Savannah looks to be maybe the new champion, but he's kind of tempted by the sins that are encased in these in these statues. So he's instantly banished down to earth. And what happens right after that? Car crash. You know, dad's left paralyzed. It's like a, it's like a, it's a whole thing that's going to shape you know his his character going forward. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens. I struggled from the very beginning as that being the entry point into our villain. Mm-hmm. This this relationship in the car just looked like sibling rivalry to me. Yeah. And dad seems to be on the side of the older brother versus Thaddeus Savannah mm-hmm. more so than which is the young one who's going to be Dr. Savannah. Yeah. But I I never bought for a minute that this car crash had any significance into backstory regarding Dr. Savannah and why he's a bad guy. Like he doesn't really have a dad issue. I mean, oh, he yeah. does make dad pay later. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Right? But I, I that whole thing just seemed really, really drawn out. And, okay, I'm just going to say it. Go ahead. When he goes into the Council of the Seven Elders or whatever the hell that place is that the surviving Shazam wizard is. Yeah. Man, Jesse, and this is just personal preference for me. Okay, go ahead. I was already like, man, I, I'm ready to be done with this. I'm <laughs> tuning out in the Once first you, five man, minutes. <laughs> and that's not to say that I don't like Lord of the Rings or Twin Towers and all, but like when you get into like wizards and you know statues that have the seven deadly sins encased in the wizards' lair and like this honeycomb thing that's the temptation. It was so like just it was just bullshit for me and that's not even because i actually didn't hate this movie at all yeah okay it's, i'm not gonna give my grade now but i didn't hate this movie at all maybe not the way to start it i just thought oh my god get like and the the cat that plays the surviving wizard what's that dude's name here's the name thing diamond hinsu hinsu yeah. Yeah. yeah that guy i thought that was one of the worst acting performances i have ever seen in film like i know that's his story yeah like, I know that Shazam story. Mm-hmm. I know that's essentially Black mm-hmm. Adam's story. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is a, a process that's been passed down from wizard yeah. to pupil. Listen to that. Wizard to pupil for mm-hmm. years. Yeah. And I just thought, you are not going to go with this wizard who's going to give you all of the powers of these seven gods. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and you're going to go with, like, these weird statues over here that are ugly. That I just I just thought that it was a, a bad beginning. And I thought... Dijmon Hajans, whatever yeah. that guy's name is. Yeah. I thought he looked just preposterously, absurdly <laughs> stupid in that. <laughs> this weird. Oh, this weird. God. It was like, like just like a cheap Halloween costume to me. Yeah, you know, and, and so this is the thing. So maybe the, 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 they have this scene for the villain. If they didn't, didn't have this scene to begin with, you know, the villain might be even more one-dimensional than like, then he kind of, kind of becomes... You know, maybe it would have been better to start the movie with Billy Batson, which is the scene we get immediately after this, which, you know, I kind of like the portrayal of Billy Batson because he had a uh, he had room to grow from beginning to end, so to speak. So he starts he starts off he starts off right away kind of kind of um, I thought doing some good, but then ends up blocking these cops in this thing to steal the car because 
Okay, so to that. Okay, okay right. Because this is another issue that I have with this. Okay. This wizard selects people based on the purity of their soul. Yeah. So Thaddeus Savannah is chosen mm-hmm. from this dysfunctional backseat car family fighting whatever nonsense that was. Yeah. And he's tempted for like one yeah. second and he sells out that quickly. Yeah. This wizard's selection process is terrible. Yeah. And the second guy he chooses is a kid who's pure of heart. Man, there is no part in Billy Batson's character that's pure of heart until he has it out with his stepbrother yeah. later on in the film. And that's when he figures out to stop being so selfish. Mm-hmm. I'd never bought in mm-hmm. that either one of those two guys yeah. would be selected for the power of Shazam. Yeah, they should have just been chosen at random then. It would be better. Like, yeah. instead of doing it based on this sort of moral compass yeah. that they identify in these... Th- bullshit. Because yeah. none of the... Neither of those two guys mm-hmm. would be the candidate. Mm-hmm. Would be. I just... I, the I, line should have been, I picked you to take on the mantle of Shazam and you will have the powers of all these gods and everything. Not that you're a good moral person like Jesus. Like, because they're not. Neither. He steals the cop car because... He wants to use the database computer because for however long, maybe his entire life since he was six or five or six, he's been looking for his mother who that that plays out a little bit later. Yeah. But he actually ends up at the house of his supposed mother and it's not. It's another dead end. So then he's arrested and then he's put into foster care and he's just been running away, you know, just bouncing around from these foster homes. He's put into the foster care of Victor and Rose Vasquez, who are running, you know, a pretty big foster home here. I had to write the names down, Matt, because look at me. I can't remember the names of the people in this movie other than like the the the, the main guy. So this this house is populated by Mary Bromfield, Pedro Pena, Eugene Choi, Darla Dudley, and Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman, first baseman for the Atlanta Braves, like <laughs> to a slow start, but maybe he'll get it turned around. With the power of what power did he get later on? Yeah, yeah, the, the power of I don't know this the the speed Atlas. or courage. Yeah, Atlas. Atlas. Yeah, the speed. Anyway, so he's here and he just he's he's not he's not about it, and he he takes a little bond to, to Freddie more so on Freddie's part, who's a big superhero fan. Yeah, and they're living in the universe, so I guess the DC cinematic universe is still a thing. Where hmm. Superman and Batman and all these things exist. Mm-hmm. Because Freddy's attire, much like you, Matt, you know, you, you like the superhero shirt. You're wearing a Daredevil shirt right now. I am. Every time we see Freddy, he's got a new thing on. But it's like the real heroes that are out there. So a Batman, a Superman, a Wonder Woman. So he's really into this whole universe. And Billy kind of, had, did you kind of get that feeling? He just, he wants nothing to do with this kid. Yeah. And I think that that's actually a pretty realistic interpretation of what Billy would be like. Mm -hmm. This kid who's been bounced around and we get some backstory. I'm not sure if it happens yet, but like to what happened with his mother prior to the conclusion of why his mother did it, but like Mm -hmm. the beginning point into his problems with finding his mother. And I can see a kid that's been passed off and forgotten being very hesitant to want to let anybody else in Mm -hmm. because they're just continually let down. And I thought that was pretty well done. Mm -hmm. Um, and I even thought the use of Freddie as his stepbrother when he needed him and the dismissal when he didn't need him mm-hmm. was also really appropriate. Like, yeah. he's a user. Mm-hmm. He's selfish. And I bought all of that. Mm-hmm. I don't buy the dying wizard choosing him. We already went into that. <laughs> yeah. But I did actually buy Billy Batson 
as a kid who's really disaffected, been let down by everyone in his whole life, mm-hmm. and honestly, kind of an asshole. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Because he is. And this this other kid, Freddie Freeman, who is the closest in age to him in the foster home, kind of brings him in and kind of invites him into his world. And Billy mostly tells him to go screw himself. Yeah. And so far as, unless you can help me figure out something about me. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty well done. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, too, because I thought about this while I was watching it. What did you think? Because, you know, we like stories about family. We like writing stories about, you know, family dynamics. What did you think about this family dynamic? Because they had a pretty cool thing there, you know, where they would kind of pray, but not really pray. It was almost kind of like, you know, all hands in the center and like, thank you for this delicious food. And then it would always rhyme into something, something else. I thought that was a kind of a cool little kind of little nod to... The collectiveness of this group. Mostly that was what I liked about the film the best. Okay. Is the established foster family mm-hmm. and the mom and dad who are trying as hard as they can to keep it together. But knowing that it's not Brady Bunch. Not yeah. even Brady Bunch. Not the ideal family. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really exist, right? Yeah. Everybody's got that. Oh, that family. No, that family screwed up just like yours. Everyone's yeah. is. Um, that's what I liked the best. And I thought the range and characters in the family was really well done, but it's also one of the criticisms I'm going to have later on the film. As mm-hmm. much as we have like little cute Darla who can't keep a secret, mm-hmm. and then the elder states woman of the siblings, um, mm-hmm. that is... Mary. There you go. Mary, yeah. right? There I, it is. I have, my, I have my cheat sheet over here. There's my uh, superpower coming through, the ability to not remember <laughs> names. Mary, I thought it was a nice range. Mm-hmm. All people represented, and I thought the sort of non-prayer prayer was heartfelt and made sense to them and dad's kind of flawed and mom's kind of like it that really worked yeah I, I, that's what I, the, I if the movie had just been about that i think i would have been like pretty content yeah pretty content yeah, yeah. i did like that and even at school they all kind of stick up for each other there's these two yeah. two nameless bullies that like really picking on freddie who's um who's disabled and you know billy at this point sticks up for him but not before you know taking off like running which is you know billy's always on the run and that's how he ends up in this subway. Now, <laughs> you know, talking about, you know, why is Billy picked? And he's just on the subway. And then all of a sudden he's, yeah, he's, he's in uh, the Rock of Eternity where the, the, the Council of the Seven Wizards are. And so now it's Billy's turn to talk to Jiamen Hinsu. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Did you buy... There, there's any number of ways that, to me, Billy Batson could have ended up in the Rock of Eternity to get the Shazam power from... D-E-H, okay? Yeah. Did you buy mm-hmm. that after what we'd known about Billy Batson, that he would have stuck up for Freddie in that moment with very little relationship? Were you buying that? No. The way that scene should have played out is Freddie's getting his ass kicked on the floor there with his own crutch, and Billy just keeps walking Yep. down the street. Yep. Takes off. Yep. Because then we could have a moment now when he's got the powers and collective and has more relationship that when that scene happens again, he sticks up for him. I think there's even, because I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. I think there's even a moment where Freddy calls out and maybe Billy doesn't go Mm -hmm. and he looks cowardly because one of the powers that S-H-A-Z-A-M and we'll get into the acronym of that I'm Mm -hmm. sure at some point. Yeah. Is courage. Yeah. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have it. So when he is Shazam, then that's imbued in him. If he walks away as Freddy's getting his teeth kicked in on the concrete by these two nameless baddies who are picking on a kid who's got walking crutches, 
And like the rest of the family is like, where are you going? Help him. And he just seeks refuge wherever the hell it can be. And it ends up on the train car. That could have been a good scene. Makes more sense to me than mm-hmm. I'm going to fight these two guys, sort of, and then apologize snarkily, smartassily, and then run away. Yeah. 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 That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So so now, yeah, Shazam, he, he takes upon the, he gets the same pitch that Savannah got earlier about you know the powers and this and that <laughs> do you ever wonder how many people received the same pitch because it's really well rehearsed yeah exactly you're number 17 and the choices we've made to take on the mantle of Shaz- number yeah, 1255 was- <laughs> yeah next yeah next. yeah next yeah, it's just like this like this yeah take a ticket please um yeah. Uh, yeah and do you- <laughs> think you know you know billy as a kid you know you, you like 13 14 yeah well, i remember when i was 13 14 i don't know if i would be so like quick to like grab this staff which there's some euphemism there i guess I'm like wow but i wouldn't i wouldn't do that knowing like oh what mystical powers or what what the hell does some weird homeless looking guy what, what what is happening here right but billy's really quick to like take it and upon that time that's actually when i think we get the 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 line delivery from hinsu which is shazam the the uh, acronym which is the wisdom of solomon the strength of hercules the stamina of atlas the power of zeus the courage of achilles and the speed of mercury so essentially all of superman's powers rolled into one <laughs> yeah but let's talk about that real quick because character wise when he is shazam I don't know how you don't draw parallels to Superman other than like Frost Breath and Laser Vision, which those powers are kind of stupid. Uh, unless you had them. Unless you had them, yeah. But this led the way to a lawsuit in 1941 yep. by, uh, it was, yeah, it was National Comics at, 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 at the time, eventually Detective Com- DC Comics, sued Fawcett Comics, who was making the Shazam. Uh, sued them but it didn't go into into court until like 1948 and Fawcett won in 50 in 51 the, the appeal saying oh no you're unjust because the courts blamed that superman was didn't have their stuff copywritten properly either when there's a whole story on that about jerry siegel and joe schuster being stripped out of royalties yep. like for decades yep. but it did eventually go and Fawcett did um they appealed Fawcett's a ruling and Fawcett had to pay a settlement in 1953 and it was at that point where they kind of killed the Shazam comic actually for maybe about 20 25 years mm-hmm. maybe not till the 70s did it come back mm-hmm. and then you get Jerry Ordway actually yeah which I'm, if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. is death of Gwen Stacy no is um oh he's got a tie no that's Jerry Conway my bad never yeah. mind different guy sorry yeah sorry my, yeah. my fault yeah names and then uh Again, the other lawsuit, too, because then at this point, Marvel, because I, I think that they had lapsed in not making the character, Yeah, Marvel had made their own Captain Marvel in between there. So now there's a naming issue. So not until DC really kind of did their new 52 did they really, like, officially rebrand it as, this is Shazam, and, like, no more Captain Marvel. You know what's weird about this? Yeah. Okay, so my first introductory to Shazam mm-hmm. <laughs> was on... A Tumblr okay. that I got, I think, from Wienerschnitzel oh, way back like in the late 70s. Yeah. So Wienerschnitzel did this really cool promotion, which mm-hmm. was you went, or maybe it was Whataburger. It was one of those branch fast food, but it wasn't like McDonald's or Burger King. Okay. So we would go every Sunday to this place after church. 
and they had a DC tumbler set, and they're actually fantastic tumblers. I wish I had them, but they're all broken. And it was a hand-painted backdrop of like a yellow oval with Batman, and a yellow oval with Wonder Woman, and a yellow oval of Robin, and a yellow oval of Shazam! Of all people. Right! And so they were obviously in some cross-promotional thing with DC, mm-hmm. and that sort of struck me as, huh, Shazam. And I remember looking at the Shazam and Superman tumblers going like, these look like the same dude. Because <laughs> they are. They are. The they same are. Dude. Yeah. But that was my introductory into Shazam. The glass broke and it kind of got thrown away. But I still have that, the Batman tumbler. It's probably worth a fortune. <laughs> we'll sell that one on eBay. I'll have to see if I can find those pictures and put them on the Instagram. Because they were fantastic glasses. Isn't that a weird thing to talk about in this? But I'll never forget those. We never thought we'd be talking about Wiener Schnitzel. How about that? I know. Go for yeah. I'm so worried about I told you this was a bad idea. Oh, Freddy? Wait, what happened to the stairs? Hey, cover in her mouth if you're gonna kidnap her. It's not gonna make her less scared, okay? Darling, it's me. It's Billy. I know I don't look like me. A wizard made me look Maybe like Maybe don't this. start with the wizard. It's just gonna make her more confused. Some old guy brought me to a temple and he made me say Shazam. Rosa! Verbally triggered body manipulation properties? You can switch by saying Shazam! So Matt and I paused for a little bit because we kept talking about these tumbler glasses. And as it turns out, I went to a yard sale years ago and got these same glasses. And I actually have the Shazam and Aquaman and I think Wonder Woman one. Yeah, we got to find those. Like, So while this, you guys are listening to the sound, we were looking it up. And the images of those, so they're Pepsi products. Mm-hmm. So I, I said Wiener Schnitzel, but whatever fast food joint that was serving pepsi products if you bought the large glass large large version of the soda you got the glass Mm -hmm. and so the thing about the shazam thing that really sucks out is that was the only one that i had two of Mm -hmm. and i was using it as a paint by number set as a little boy and i was using my little um paintbrush to dip in the water to put the color blah 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 blah. and i accidentally swept the glass off the table Mm -hmm. and it spilled the colored water all over the ground and my mom i knew was going to be furious at me but I didn't care about the glass because I knew I had another Shazam one in the cupboard. And so that, like, isn't it weird, the things that we remember? Yeah. But that was my introduction to, to Shazam. And I remember even talking to my dad. I'm like, Dad, what's the difference between Superman and Shazam? And he's like, hell, I don't know. They look like the same guy to me. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he was right. And my dad's no superhero aficionado. Oh, that's, Aficionado, rest his soul. That's funny. Crazy. Okay, so we're so, going to put that picture up. We're going to find those glasses. We're going to put that picture up. Yeah, I got the picture right there. That's going up on the Instagram page. Beautiful. Uh... So in the meantime, Dr. Savannah's spent the last 45 years of his life looking for the, the entrance to the Rock of Eternity because he feels spited by not getting... Right, because he didn't make the right choice, they basically kicked him the hell out. Yeah. The, the wizard kicked him out. So he spent the whole his whole life kind of trying to get back to that place, right? Is right. that kind of what you got? Yes. Okay. So he does make it back, and he doesn't take the powers of, of, of Shazam, but rather... I had to write it down here. He takes the eye of uh, the eye of sin. So essentially, encapsulates all the seven deadly sins into this little like orby thing in his eye that he can just unleash at at his will. It's, it's kind of a lame power, really. Look, just if you, I mean, okay, right, and you're right. So if you take the the powers imbued by the seven names S H A Z A M, the six names you mentioned S H A Z A M, and like Hercules and Atlas mm-hmm. and Zeus. And now you have greed, gluttony, sloth, right? Like, give me a break. Yeah. Like, 
that's not even a contest. Like this guy's vain. Yeah. This guy's Zeus. Who do you think might win that? Yeah, Zeus. Mm. Dumb. But then he flies later in the in the in the movie. Which one of the seven deadly sins allows you to fly? Well, I can tell you it's not gluttony because that'd be a lot of <laughs> lot of weight to carry around upstairs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. so there's some there's some mixed logic there. Yeah. In the meantime, with all that, while he's trying to like wreak havoc with his newfound power, which there's a scene I want to talk about coming up. Billy Batson is now Shazam, this grown 35-year-old man with these powers. So he's freaking out because he's an adult now, very big like Tom Hanks big. There's another big reference later. Yeah. But he goes yeah. to the only person that can really help him, and that's Freddy. Freddy. Because he's the expert on all the Cape Crusader stuff, as, as he says. Now, let so me just... this is consistent though, right? So when he needs Freddy, then he uses Freddy. And when he doesn't, then he can't be bothered. Yeah. So he needs him now. And we're going to see this over and over. And Freddy's actually going to put him on blast later over this. Yeah. But nonetheless, okay, keep going. Now let me let me ask you this too. Did So we, we just talked about Billy Batson being kind of a little prick this entire time we've seen him on screen. Yeah. And then he becomes Shazam and then he's kind of not that. Like the personalities didn't like match up with that. He's really overzealous and excited as you would be with powers. But I think maybe, and this is maybe I like, I like Zachary Levi's, you know, he brought some kind of like childish banter to it and some comedy, but maybe a little bit too much. Like I could have like a lot of those scenes of him testing the powers. Like it was really hammered in on how funny they were trying to be. I could have done it with a little less of that. But did you get the different personalities within these characters? I didn't get like a douchey Billy within Shazam. And when he reverted back, he kind of went back to douchey Billy. Yeah, I mean, there's some of the tropes that you would suspect, which it like there's a whole kind of running thread through this about like the strip club. And there's the whole like, if you were an adult, could you go buy beer? And there's kind of a funny little shtick about that. And sort of like the big comedic routine that we've seen tom hanks do like they play that out and it makes sense that they would play that out because that's part of the interest of the character Mm -hmm. but i almost felt like at times in the film and i don't know if it was a miss i just felt like it was trying to be peter parker yeah like when peter parker is in spider-man gear so i guess that would make him not peter parker but Mm spider-man he's full of like one little like one-liners and bad jokes quips yeah yeah little quips as he's sort of dogging out the bad guy this kind of was Billy Batson the whole time, whether he was Billy Batson or Shazam. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like it was really extrapolated, might be a kind way to put this, from the Peter Parker character. Um, I guess it worked. I mean, I, I found myself smiling a little bit, and I thought Zachary Levi did a really good job with yeah. it. And he did a really good job of playing 15-year-old in, like, a man-man's body. Like, Charlize Theron would be happy with that kind of man. Yeah. Because that's stone-it-up kind of man. <laughs> so it didn't weigh on you like it did me? Because, like, I, 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 I like the first bit of him. Well, what, what superpowers do you have? Do you, you, can you fly? And he had the, the thing and the Oh, speed. you didn't like that? No, I did. Oh, okay. But then, like, the next three or four iterations of that, like, getting the the, 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 Dr. Pe- the Dr. Peppers or getting the, 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 the cash at the ATM and... The fire bit, right? Then they put him in a drum oil drum and set him on fire yeah or it was, uh, yeah like all that it was a, a, a little bit too too much like the, it, it felt tr- like you said tr- trying too hard yeah. and when i feel when i feel like the film didn't need to do that that's a tough thing because here here's a an issue with i guess dc and even marvel too like i will be fully open about this like i did not think 
that Captain Marvel, Marvel's last film, was worth a damn. Like, I was really glad it was over. Not because of any politics or because of any gender. I just, I don't like prequels, and we'll get into that someday. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of prequels. And I thought that the movie was mostly just, like, biding our time until we got to Endgame. Mm -hmm. DC is so far behind the curve on Marvel on this. Yeah. Because if you want to be honest, really the last two are the only sort of palatable films in their entire canon. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, although three quarters of that movie are good and one quarter is not. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so far behind and the superhero expectation for the audience goer is such that it is elevated. Mm-hmm. This movie felt like I had jumped in a time machine and gone back to 2002. Mm-hmm. And by that, what I mean is we all know in our origin stories of superheroes that they go through the learning curve of what the powers are. Yeah. But the the thing that Marvel has sort of mastered now is they've all been introduced mostly. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to go through that anymore. Yeah. And if we do get introduced, they're more ancillary like Vision kind of characters where we just sort of kind of meh, throw away, put them in here. And I love the Vision, but you yeah. know, he's kind of a throwaway character in that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this is a movie titled Shazam, so obviously it's about the character. Mm-hmm. And although it's done in kind of a, a, a contemporary way, which is like, let's videotape it, put it online, it'll go viral. Like, I, I get that. Yeah. It just felt like a slow walk to what we already knew what was coming, which is the realization and ability to use these powers that just took, I agree with you, too long. Mm-hmm. And that's where this is, maybe I'm letting the cat out of the bag here. Yeah. This is DC's <clears throat> biggest problem. Mm-hmm. They've tried to get to the Avengers. It's failed two times, essentially. Yeah. And so we're walking it back with B-listers that are telling a story we've already been told multiple times in the Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. You can't but help make that comparison. Yeah. I think watching him try to fly was kind of funny, and then he wipes out. And I think, like, you have bullet immunity as kind of a funny way to say you're bulletproof. Like, yeah. some of that stuff is really funny. Oh, yeah, I like that. But really drawn out, Jesse, in yeah. a way that wasn't story-driven, mm-hmm. but a contrived bit to show, like, mm-hmm. here's him not knowing how to do these powers. Like, the best mm-hmm. is Sam Raimi as Tobey Maguire is trying to figure out how to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Smacks him the side of the building, crashes on the ground, there goes his back. Like, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It done in like thirty seconds. But they, they did that in that in that film. They do it really quick because you get the spider sense bit with with Flash Thompson when he's fighting him there, and then yeah. immediately he yeah. does the the wall crawling bit, and then immediately the web swinging bit. Like you get it all like right back to back, and then we're we're continuing the story. Difference though, it's weaved into the story as something that happens inside the story, <clears throat> not the the beat or the story plot that's driving the story. That drives fifteen minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not, but a, a significant part mm-hmm. of the film. Excellent. I want to talk about the the two scenes here. They're not the next two scenes, but the next kind of two really big moments. So Savannah goes to his dad as some powerful CEO running whatever shadow company. And he goes there with his sins. And I got to talk about the tone of this movie too because we, just, sins, we, we, well said, we yeah. just we just went from like lighthearted comedy viral video shtick to this, where he pulls these monsters out, and they're just murdering. Everybody. He throws his brother out the window, kills him. Yep. And he lets this one of these things eat his dad. Yep. The tone was kind of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's like we're going up and down to the pet cemetery again. Okay, but when so that juxtaposed with mm-hmm. Billy Batson as Captain Marvel trying to figure out how to fly <clears throat> and laser eyes or whatever they're trying to do, it felt like to me 
then it wasn't going to be much of a context. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, much of a contest. Mm-hmm. Dr. Savannah has been Dr. Savannah for 40 years. Yeah. And he's had practice with all of these sins. Mm-hmm. I love how you said that. Yeah. With 40 years. So mm-hmm. he knows how to use them. Meanwhile, we got 15-year-old kid here mm-hmm. trying to figure out like how he can get beer at the local super thrift way with these powers because he's this big guy. Mm-hmm. Man, I just thought to myself at that moment, like, I think Billy's really up against it. But here's the problem. Mm-hmm. There's no way that he dies in this film. Oh, yeah, of course not. So I, I, I found that to be kind of more of like, okay, so we're sort of pedestrian move through what's a necessary evil in the story to introduce a villain in the character. Mm-hmm. And you are right, though. Billy Batson is comedic and smartassy. And then you get to Dr. Savannah literally raining hell down on these CEOs, yeah. thrown out the window. We get that crazy image. Which is like one of the sins eating the woman on the glass as yeah. we're watching from the receptionist point of view yeah. or receptioner point of view. Mm-hmm. Really different odd tone. I got, and then the reason I bring that up too is you know the director has a background in horror. He did Lights Out and Annabelle Creation. So oh, I actually didn't know that. He's okay. got that horror background, kind of like James Wan. But there was a family sitting next to us in the theater, a family of four. It's a young boy. He's maybe seven. That scene happened, this boardroom massacre. And his dad, he was crying. Really? His dad had to take him out of the theater, and they never came back for the rest of the movie. No so, kidding. Yeah, no kidding. I think it was pretty traumatic. So By eyeball, how old was that kid? Seven. Wow. Yeah, so again, the tone. You go from him flossing, that flossing dance, and doing funny, sticky stuff, to that. Yeah, that's that's pretty jarring. You know, Not for us, because you know, we're adults, but for a kid, definitely. Well, we took my daughter. She's six. Yeah. And I know that the sins, when they would show up in their spectral ghosty form like mm-hmm. she kind of was hiding her eyes and so like yeah that's a bit much for a superhero movie marketed toward kids <laughs> certainly with the kids superhero seems to be family friendly fodder yeah yeah so i want to talk about actually my favorite part of the entire movie which is kind of around this this part too so billy is kind of on the ropes with the people in the family with freddie he's kind of shunned him at this point saying i only need you for myself that that kind of bit freddie calls him out but the family kind of lets him know that, Billy, we, we found your mother, the, the techie Eugene Choi, like, who's able to kind of track her down. And she's... That's three blocks away. Yeah, three blocks away. You, you go check it out. So mm-hmm. at that point, they probably think that's the end of Billy. Like, he's going to go reunite with mom. And I think in a very, very well done scene of him going to the mom's door, she answered. And they kind of had this moment of, you know, trying to reconnect. But then she tells him why, why she... What, what, why he is a foster kid essentially is she abandoned him and didn't bother to like seek him out because she thought it would have been a better life for him if I wasn't involved. That's pretty rough. Like for a kid to hear that too. He shows up, she comes out of her little Shantate. That's mm-hmm. a name that we use in the Dixon family for like mm-hmm. the digs, right? Mm-hmm. She shows up out of her little Shantate and, um, she basically meets him with, barely a handshake kind of a half-hearted hug and he's like mom it's me yeah i've been looking for you for 10 years almost kind of got the feeling like some trucker with a mustard stand and his wife beaters waiting for her in the sack in the back room saying where are you get back in here bitch with my bean pie like that kind of guy right yeah and she like almost doesn't even have time to talk to billy about the 20 or the what the 13 years Mm -hmm. uh, whatever 10 years that been between the two of them Mm -hmm. and like this is a really interesting moment. It's also a, a movie I really like too. Mm-hmm. Because I guess he makes his peace with his family, mm-hmm. who's not his family. Yeah. 
and realizes like, hey, you know these other people that I've been a complete asshole to this entire film? Care a lot more about me than this woman here. And have accepted me unconditionally. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's who I should be with. Because family doesn't necessarily have to be blood. Mm -hmm. It has to be with proximity of soul and compassion. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really well done scene. Mm -hmm. And like... I don't know how you felt in that scene, but I kind of wanted to tell the mom to go pound sand. Yeah. Like, you loser. May as well. You deserve whatever you get. And they show that scene of, like, he's on the cop car, and they're like, we'll find your mom's son. And she's, like, watching from, like, a distance. Like and She just leaves Just him. leaves. That's a flashback sequence. So, <clears throat> she, for those of you that haven't seen the film, she loses him, basically, at a carnival. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the cops find him, and they're, like, have the APB out, you know, find this kid's mom. And she <clears throat> shows up to, like, get her son. But she's 16. Yeah. And decides that a foster care Mm -hmm. state-run facility will be able to more aptly provide for him than her. Well, maybe it's better she has been gone. Yeah. Like, that's a weak dude. Mm -hmm. And so she just leaves him to go off and do whatever the hell else, whatever that is. Do drugs, whatever. Whatever. Just continue to, like, suck. And she's grown up to suck. Yeah. The last two weeks, I tell you this, have been filled with some shitty parents. We had Lewis Creed last week, and now this shitty mother. <laughs> Boy, you said a mouthful there. No kidding. Yeah. Do you want an autograph or something? Give me your power. Or die. Oh, snap. You're like a bad guy, right? Okay, 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 okay. Look, before this gets really stupid for you, you should know that I'm basically invincible. So you just... <laughs> Weapons of man draw no blood from our kind. The only thing that extinguishes magic is magic. Oh, you did not see that one coming, did you, Grandpa? So Billy, you know, goes back to his his family. His now kind of he's realized his real family now. But there's Doctor Savannah, and he's there with like the villain ploy, like you, Billy Batson. I know who you are now. I followed your friend. You know, Freddie Freeman here, and you're going to give me the power of of, of the Shazam. Mm-hmm. So he's going to take him. He takes him back. They, they they end up kind of back at the Rock of Eternity, too. And then they trick him because all the other, you know, everyone kind of tagged along, the rest of the, the kids and everything. So now they're on the chase, and Savannah's chasing him through the streets of Philadelphia. And we kind of, it's you know, it's fitting. I didn't think about that. You know, he's lost at the carnival, and then the end sequence kind of takes place at the carnival. Like, yeah. why didn't that, like, click for me? But the end sequence takes place at this, like, winter fair carnival. And this is something I actually like about the movie. You know, we talk about a lot of these superhero movies that, like, really try and blow up the ending. Like, the sky beams coming down and smashing buildings and smashing this. Like, this movie, this, it's at a carnival. It's like, that. that's pretty small and, and nice. It's It's a nice change of pace compared to some of these other films that we've seen before. Yeah. Um, and certainly is an expensive set piece to use. So we're fighting on Ferris wheel and big, large rides are toppling over. And at this point, what has happened is Billy has shared his power with his family. And we have the creation of the Shazam team. This is interesting to me because if they draw the power from Billy, then you would think they would draw it in an exponent of six, but each one of them, I think only gets one of the six powers that Billy maintained all of them. So you have super speed one, you have super, and you get like all of his siblings sort of launched into like versions of Shazam's, Mm -hmm. each one of them taking on one of the seven deadly sins. Mm -hmm. And you get some decent action through that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just kind of 
standard fisticuff fodder. It's but but like entertaining enough. I want to mention something uh, to uh, on the the podcast. I was mentioning to you off mic that two of these actors, one uh, Adam Brody and DJ Cortana, uh, Cortono Cortana, whatever, uh, they were actually cast in the first Justice League film. Now Justice League in two thousand six, directed by George Miller of Mad Max fame. Adam Brody was going to be the Flash. He was going to be uh, DJ was going to be Superman. Army Hammer was Batman. You know, it was going to have Martian Manhunter, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. They had a, this thing was ready to go, and it got shit canned by the writer strike of two thousand seven, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. So this movie never happened. So I thought that was an interesting nod that they got these two guys in there that had ties to the DC universe before. And did you like that though? I mean, so that that's that's cool that those guys finally got to be in a superhero film. Yeah. But did you like this team of Shazams? Do you like that? I mean, it was it was it was enough for. You know, I like what they're, what they're going with, and it was nice to kind of see each one of them, you know, have ha- have their little moment. Here's the thing, though. Is this going to be a franchise that's about Shazam or the Shazam family? Okay, because that's my, that's my criticism, too. Mm-hmm. As much as they were interesting, and I love the little Darla that grows up and becomes, like, grown-up Megan Good. God mm-hmm. bless Megan Good. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you guys don't know who Megan Good is, you should look into that. But anyway, uh, I think this is the crux of most of DC's problems for me. It's overindulgent when it doesn't need to be. It's too much. Like, this is Shazam's origin movie. Let this movie be this movie, and let us just get to know him. But when it's six more, Mm -hmm. then not only do you water down his ability to take on the seven deadly sins plus Savannah, but you get a sort of throwaway quick introduction to characters... With no definable trait other than the color of the suit they're wearing that have basically the same purpose in the film as Shazam does. And as much as I liked watching all of them fight and it was cool to sort of see, oh, that's what the little person grew up into. Like, I thought all that was good. Yeah. It's Doomsday. It's when you already have Lex Luthor. It's it's like, it's the DC curse. Too much. It's, It's Ocean Master and Black Manta. It's what's a really tight, nice script about a fish out of water in the 19, post-World War II era with Wonder Woman mm-hmm. to some fight on a tarmac with some... And, Ares, know, a god. Ares! Yeah. And it, like they just can't bring it to a level that's small enough for the audience to get to know them before they try to blow it up. And you know why that is? Yeah. Because they're so far behind the curve. Yeah, they're trying to do too much. On what Marvel is. They're trying to be Marvel like this. Jesse... Mm-hmm. For Marvel to be what that is now, yeah, that took you, that took work. Ten, a decade, yeah, eleven years, two thousand eight, twenty five films. Mm-hmm. Come on, you can't uh, do it like that. Yeah, yeah. Gone are the days of like Nolan and Richard Donner, and I would even say Tim Burton that had like more restraint to like really take the intimacy of the characters they had without like doing too much with with with, with that. Yeah, but to the Batman reference that you just said, yeah. they already had a blueprint. Mm-hmm. Like I know you hate bat nipples. But Batman, who doesn't? Batgirl, <laughs> mm-hmm. Robin, yeah. And who are the villains in that? Captain or not Captain Cold? Uh, Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, and Poison Ivy, and Two Face, right? No Bane. Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. That's like you didn't realize, like as much as we tease, like oh, bat nipples, like mm-hmm. that's kind of silly, and you're right, it is. Yeah. That's not why that movie sucked. Yeah. It's because there's too much in that movie. Yeah. And they keep falling victim to the same thing. That being said, mm-hmm. 
I think the director did a good job because I don't hate this film. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you about one of my favorite little bits in the thing. I, I just I just kind of really cracked up in the theater. So, you know, Shazam's fighting uh, Savannah in midair. Again, how's he flying? But, you know, they're fighting. And, of course, Savannah goes into his, his villain soliloquy. <laughs> and Shazam's, like, maybe, like, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 feet away. <laughs> He's like... That was funny. What? I can't hear you. Like, yeah. are you doing some kind of, like, villain monologue? And then they cut back to him. And he's like, I will ra- feast on your flesh. Or, like, this and that. And they come back. I still can't hear you. <laughs> like, I thought that was, like... That's well-timed comedy. Agreed. Like, done really well. Yes. So eventually Shazam, you know, plucks, plucks the, the, the evil eye, the eye of sin out of, out of Savannah. All the, you know, all the sins kind of re, 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 return to, you know, their resting place. Because when all the sins are out fighting, he's vulnerable. Yeah. He, he's just a dude. Yeah. So, you know, they, they defeat him. Job well done. Got this new Shazam family. You know, we get this nice kind of tie-up scene, uh... You know, with that prayer, the prayer that's not prayer scene with Billy kind of, you know, kind of accepting his part within this family dynamic, which is really nice. It's a real nice capper. Yeah. And then them, you know, having, you know, this, uh, the Council of the Seven Wizards, there's, there's, there's a group of them. And this is going to be their, their lair, their, their home base, bat cave, so to speak. So the movie kind of ends on that moment and, you know, you know, you know, done pretty well. And I got to ask you, Matt, you know, I had to, had to, had to do some Googling after this. So we get a, a, one of these little mid-credit sequences, just like, you know, Marvel. And I hate that we have to wait till all the credits to to leave the movie. You know, we're just sitting there waiting. And, you know, when it doesn't make sense, it's kind of a little bit frustrating. But we get Savannah in, in a jail cell, you know, kind of just marking up his cell. And we get this caterpillar with the talk box. <laughs> Freaking Peter Frampton caterpillar. That's, funny. that's what I thought. I was like, look, Frampton is a caterpillar. <laughs> Peter Frampton. But he's actually, I guess, a decent villain. I say that lightly. Within the, within the DC lore. Really? Uh, Mis- Mr. Mind. Uh, oh. Who's like some like super intelligent, like this bug thing. And they're going to do some team up thing. But to me, that's such an obscure reference that I'm just like, what? uh yeah um i think i heard one guy in the theater go like yeah and i'm like you don't even know what that thing is like <laughs> oh it's funny you said that because there were some guys that were over behind us to our left that were literally like cheer like it was so over the top like yeah like yeah really? you're cheering for a caterpillar Come mr mine um what is so you asked me what's my take on that like what do i what do i think about that do you think anything of mr mind i don't care yeah I, I think a I don't, I don't think scene. I want I don't think I want to see that. Sorry to interrupt you, but we need to do Black Adam next, obviously. Obviously. And Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, has been attached to playing Black Adam for like Well, he's the executive producer of this film. Which, yeah. And he's admitted like I'm coming in that role. Yeah. Like eight or nine years they've been talking about him making that movie. So that that needs to happen next. Get get the post credit sequence should have been Ancient Egypt, like over black, ancient Egypt, and there is the rock in shackles Mm -hmm. being pummeled by you know some regal egyptian whoever it might like that's and and then everybody that's a black adam fan is like oh my god like we're seeing because that's kind of what like he was shazam yeah and then sort of abused it and basically was banished that's Mm -hmm. kind of black adam's general story yeah that'd have been better way better yeah and then it or just even showing him and you know what i mean and instead we get like do you want to watch Mr. Mind, or do you want to watch Black Adam? Black Adam. Who the f- is Mr. Mind? Yeah. I don't know. It just... 
I, I don't even begrudge them for that because you have to almost have a post credits one or two post credits scenes I, I, and in your I, film now in superheroes, but it just was such a just total ripoff. And I almost forgot the little kind of end capper in the movie too, maybe just because it wasn't memorable for me. But you know, the, he goes back to school, and Freddy's had this whole thing yeah. through the whole movie where yeah. he, he wants Shazam to show up to kind of like prove that like he knows Shazam, and he kind of stands him up that one time, and everyone's like, "Oh, Freddy's Freddy's full of shit," all that. So. We had that same scene again at the end of the movie, and Shazam comes, and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Everyone's freaking out. And he's like, "And I brought a friend along, and it's 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 Superman." Yeah. But Superman from the neck down, because obviously Henry Cavill was unavailable for this cameo, or just still had a mustache, or he's quit already. Because that's the thing. Is with that it. the rumor? Is no, he no, he's done. Him and him, Affleck, and you know, Flash actor. He's he's almost done too. I think I, he's trying to write his own script for the Flash movie. Yeah, that's, I heard that. yeah. They can't even get that thing off the ground. DC films, and we talked about this, you know, when me and you talked about Aquaman, they they have such a hard time because they are playing catch up. They're trying to do so much, but also like, do you start over? Which I don't want that. Don't don't start over. But you know, do you just kind of like leave like Superman, and you just kind of almost like forget that. Like try stop trying to make that happen because it failed miserably. So to kind of disclose this the first practice <clears throat> podcast that jesse and i ever did was on aquaman like mm-hmm. we've never released it and it's in its infancy so there's obviously some problems in there so so as we bring that up that's kind of what we're talking about when we talked about it mm-hmm. um maybe that'll be the vip listen right that sounds like that sounds awesome yeah poor bastards will have to listen to that i think dc just needs to slow down take a breath mm-hmm. because there's rumors about regarding marvel like a hiatus of some time to sort of let things kind of calm down yeah dc can get caught up if they'll just slow down Mm -hmm. and stop trying to do 10 years in one film i'm gonna ask you a question and the readers out here or listeners out here can respond in turn yeah do you think the superhero genre is five years away from being done no i don't no way i don't think it's ever going to be done no i think if you tell if there's you gotta have quality in there of course if you have bomb after bomb after bomb, of course it's going to go away. But if you take the time to craft these these decent films, yeah, this thing's going to go on for decades. So look, here's why I don't think it's going to go away. If you go back to what we said in the beginning of the podcast, you and I chose moments that were mostly human, mm-hmm. not supernatural yeah. or you know superhero-ish. Mm-hmm. That's what we still like about it. When you sit down to design characters, you sit down and you design each character have a unique trait. And it might be, you know, like Carrie has telekinesis or whatever. Like, isn't your superhero power Mm -hmm. just the unique trait in the writer's room on character design? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so like whether you're super tough or super strong. Or genius. Like, they've all, most protagonists in film are some level of superhero anyway. So what needs to happen is you just find it a... A, a different way to present that to the audience because mm-hmm. I agree with you. I don't think this, I know people are saying, oh, people are going to get burned out. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. Like the question is after in game, like what's next? And we both have our preferences to what that might be. And yeah. we'll get into that at some point, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that genre is not going anywhere. Yeah, no way. So DC needs to recognize that and just slow down. Yeah, take- just let it happen. Mm-hmm. DC's fans are just as loyal as Marvel fans are. And frankly, there's total crossover there. Mm-hmm. 
Do you know anybody that's a Marvel fan that says they won't see DC movies? Because I don't. Everyone watches these movies. Both. Yes, both both universes. And I would argue too. I don't want to get into a Marvel DC fan base, but but like DC, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, like those heroes are great. Like they've been around longer than Marvel's characters. They have right. They have eighty years of continuity and legacy versus sixty and stories built in that they 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 should be they shouldn't be so far behind. They should be like right there with them. Yeah. So this is time now more than ever. Matt, how would you rate, grade Shazam? And just a quick r- refresher, our rating system based on, on liquor is rot gut, well, call, single barrel, and top shelf. How would you rate it? It's funny because as I was thinking about this movie, we saw this movie last weekend, mm-hmm. and I didn't know exactly what I was going to say. Because usually I'll, I'll dig in and try to find a theme. Like That's how I like to approach film is mm-hmm. thematically. And obviously there's the family thing, and that's a very common theme for you and me. But I didn't know how far we'd be able to get into it. But yeah. And most of what I did today was just off the cuff. So I actually did have a lot to say about this film. Yeah. So I think that's a testament to the film. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to run out. I wasn't glad when it was over. Yeah. Um, other than Zach Levi being a little too muscle-bound, and I know that's the character, like that's Captain Marvel in the movie, like where I didn't necessarily buy that he would... Like superheroes are big, but he was big. Big, big, big. Yeah. Um, to where it almost kind of looked, well, fake, because it was fake. Mm-hmm. Uh, a perfectly palatable film. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had some criticisms on there, but my enjoyment far outweighed my moments of yikes. Mm-hmm. And so for that, it's a call for me. Yeah. It's it's a run-of-the-mill superhero film. It was better than Captain Marvel, in my opinion. I'd watch this quicker than i watched Marvel's last Captain, Captain mm-hmm. Marvel. What about this versus, like, Justice League? Oh, well, Justice League is rock up for me. So, <laughs> so yeah, so this. Honestly, Batman stuff, ex- Batman stuff excluded, mm-hmm. there's nothing in the Marvel, in the DC universe that I find even remotely, like, even tolerable. So you'd prefer this one too to Aquaman as well? Yeah, yeah. It Very close though. Mm-hmm. Aquaman, although we in that initial podcast yeah. kind of trashed it a bit, mm-hmm. look mostly to the same thing. They've changed their tone. Marvel, I'm sorry, I keep doing that. DC has specifically, like, in the writer's room said, we need to make less brooding, dark films. Oh, With obviously, the, yeah. Because people weren't buying in, and mm-hmm. it doesn't make it as family-friendly as, like, Ragnarok. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, a noticeable and, and wise change that I think is paying well. But, again, it's Captain Marvel, Jesse. Mm-hmm. It's Captain Marvel. Yeah. So call? Call. Okay. Call. If I never see it again, I'll be fine. If it's on, I probably would be okay to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing brand new. Nothing that sticks out as terribly cutting edge or avant-garde. Um, I do think them casting Zach Levi for, if you guys want to look into Zach Levi, is a very interesting choice for DC specifically to choose that character as a man. And what he's like, That's I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought he did really well. Yeah, other than Chuck, what else has he done? Like, Nothing, but I don't even mean that. I mean, like, and I really like Zach Levi. Yeah. But people should look into, like, anyway. Yeah. I, I don't want to make this about what the, where that will head. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, call. How about you? Cool. Uh, yeah, I think I'll I'll have to kind of clock in here at a call call rating as well. Maybe like a call plus. Maybe. Wow, really? Okay. Yeah, maybe. So we're almost at single barrel. Almost at single barrel. I did I did enjoy this movie, other than a pretty forgettable villain. But hey, get in line with. 
Ronin and, yeah. and 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 Electro and Lex Luthor, J.C. Eisenberg, Lex Luthor. Like, get in line with those guys because, man, they're all taking up spots. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was a pretty interesting take. You know, I thought the tone really kind of was very drastic at times. The comedy and the, the, the brooding kind of, like, scariness that the director was going for. When it did work, it worked really well. And when they tried to do too much, you could kind of tell they were trying a little too hard. Maybe, yeah, again, that that marathon, you know, them trying to catch up, which they don't need to. But overall, this this feels like a movie, you know, kind of looking at, you know, we weren't so high on Aquaman, but the movie made a billion dollars worldwide. Wonder Woman was pretty well liked and received made $800 million worldwide. I think DC's in the right direction. You know, the all three of those, they might not all be home runs, but... It's a far cry from the films of Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman. Like they're trending in a decent direction, but I'm with you. They need to take their time, tell one decent story first before you start expanding this thing bigger than you were able to control it. Which is what Marvel did. Yeah. Marvel did an Iron Man, they did a Hulk, they did a Captain America, they did a Thor, and then they brought it all together. So take your time to get to where you want to go. But and the occasional misstep in there, if you're going to use the Marvel blueprint because they're further along in the story, yeah, seems to be pretty conquerable. Like mm-hmm. both those Hulk movies are trash, yeah, and people love the Hulk. Mm-hmm. So you know, you just you just kind of put a bug in my ear, if you will. You and I think have maybe not on this podcast, but to yeah. each other have said that the most loyal, going fan base of film genre wise is the horror fan base. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pose a question to you. Sure. Is the superhero fan base more loyal than the horror base? Or maybe they're just equally loyal because it's the same fan base. Possibly. Right? Because think about what you... Like when you said and you rattled off all those movies and I'm thinking like, you know, Marvel's had a pretty few huge missteps in there. Mm-hmm. But if it's palatable, if you screen it, they will watch it. Yeah. <laughs> like horror. Like, you know, you got a horror fan that will like Friday the 13th, but like maybe three or four of those are good and the rest are garbage. But that you know, if you're a horror fan, you kind of you kind of dig into it. You'll go see it. You'll watch it. You'll it'll be a part of your collection. You'll buy the box set. Well, and you heard you said like Wonder Woman was mostly good. Aquaman was mostly okay. Mm-hmm. And this is you know okay. I'd rather be mostly okay than Total Rock Gut, which is what it was before that. And they all made a fortune. Yeah. And that's, what, did you look at the numbers on this movie yet? What this has made yet? I think almost like 300 million worldwide. And it, they made it for what, 50, 60? So this is the other interesting thing. This had like half the budget of all of their other fare. So I think Aquaman had maybe a $200 million budget. This had like 60 or 70. No kidding. So yeah. a huge, huge win for them. So again, another perfect reason of getting a horror director because horror directors know how to work within a limited budget, make the most of what, you, what you got. So I think I, that's why I like it. It's a call plus. I think it's... A unique entry for DC itself, yeah. And you know, I'm I'm curious to see what they got coming next, yeah. Whatever that. What is, is next? Well, I think I don't. I'll, Joker. The Joker film with Joaquin Phoenix is coming next, but I don't think it's tied into any of this other stuff that's going on. It's unless like, it makes money, and then it'll be part of continuity, and then it'll be part of continuity. Yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 hopeful for for that. We'll have to wait and see. That's October, but yeah, we got nothing, nothing between now and then. Nothing between now and then. Wow. So nothing this summer. That's crazy. There we have it. So let's wrap this up with a little nightcap. We'll pour a little bit more of the Duncan Duncan Taylor here. So for those of you that don't know, Shazam in the 70s had a pretty forgettable television series. Yes, it did. Did you watch that? Did you ever watch that? Yeah, and that guy had some trustworthy eyebrows. <laughs> yes, yeah, so so you know, he's not the first iteration on on the on the television screen. There's been a ton of 
superhero adaptations and a lot recently uh, to speak of. So, Matt, my nightcap question to you is, what's the best live-action superhero TV show? Electric Girl and Dyna Girl. Yikes. <laughs> no, you're not going to let me... You're not yeah, you better, me... you better not be pulling my leg. <laughs> you know, Cindy Lauper did the soundtrack for oh, that. dear God. <laughs> I'm pouring another one here. Okay. <laughs> Look, this is so on the nose, it's not even... You're going to... Sure. Throw it. It's the Hulk. Bill Bixby, Luke Yeah, Fred, right? man. Yeah. And like, but again, to that, the reason I really liked the Hulk, like, it was fun watching, like, the transformation. Yeah. But what made that movie really work mm -hmm. was the ro dogged reporter who would never let Banner get away. Mm -hmm. And, like, for that, I think they Miss, did a Jack McGee. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Jesse, don't make me angry. Yeah. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Yeah. Like, this poor bastard mm -hmm. is having to go from town to town, place to place, because this reporter is going to blow up the world and say this guy's a terrible thing and the Hulk is evil and da da da. I think three seasons? No. Five. Five seasons? Yeah. Finished, I think, did it wasn't launched on CBS though and finished on NBC with three like movies. Possibly, yeah. The, 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 di the Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Uh, the Just Thor in it. Yeah, The Incredible Hulk Returns. And, I and think Matt Murdock is his lawyer. Yeah, and The Death of the Incredible Hulk. And I've never seen that one, actually. There's one that I still remember as a little boy that I don't... I, I could look into it and find mm -hmm. it. I just haven't. It's where the Hulk meets an older version of the Hulk. Ooh. And I don't remember who played that and what it was, but I remember it was a two-parter. And man, I tuned in to Friday Night, the mm -hmm. Hulk television. Because yeah. I think it was the Hulk, Knight Rider, and Fantasy Island maybe on the same night. What a lineup. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good... Yeah. And I might be wrong on that, but I feel like in my mind that's what it's saying. Mm -hmm. It's the Hulk. That's pretty good. It's the Hulk. That's arguably... I I love opening credit sequences to oh, television yeah. shows. Argu that one has one of my favorite. That... Doo -doo 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 Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, hoping to tap into a way uh, uh, to get a human strength that all humans have. But then an actual overdose of gamma ray. Like, I know, Look at you. I know that thing verbatim. My goodness. And you know, I love Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. I think Edward Norton had a kind of tough go as the Hulk. And man, even Eric Banner too. I love Bill Bixby as, not Bruce Banner, but David Banner. We had to change his name. Yeah, there you go. That's it. My God, you're like spot on. Hey, I don't even need the clip. I'll just do it. You're sick. I love Bill Bixby as that character. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. That's a good choice. I'm going to cheat on this one. I, I'm going to pick two. So one Man, again, you've done that twice to me today. Don't make me angry. You yeah, don't like me when I'm Just angry. cheat on all these podcasts. So again, I'm a Batman guy. If I did mention earlier. Alert. Alert. There's a part of me that how do I not pick. I knew you are going to do it. The Batman 66 show. Like. Yep. It's it has a certain level of camp and nostalgia and damn other than like maybe like Two-Face and like all the other villains they created in the 70s they did damn near every villain on that show and they did like Egghead and like the the bookworm. It's a fun show and I know a lot of generations that you know when they say who's your favorite Batman they all say Adam West. And rightly so. You know the, the guy had a cool delivery and him and Burt Ward, Burgess Meredith, you know Cesar Romero's the Joker. That's a fun little show. But I can't just pick Batman because the, in the last, you know, five, ten years has been some pretty great superhero adaptations on television. So the other one I'm going to pick is actually Netflix's rendition of Daredevil. And, you know, this is one that actually got a full three season run 
And they got to kind of play around with everything, you know, with the Kingpin and the Punisher and Elektra and Bullseye in this last. And I think I'm with you, Matt. This third season of Daredevil was awesome. Pretty damn good. Yeah. And I'm kind of really upset that it, it got canceled. Me too. But, you know, it's a show that really kind of showcased the physicality of the character. And it was a show that wasn't limited by, you know, trying to be kid friendly Man, that show was pretty violent mm-hmm. in its in its action and stunt delivery. And I really like in the, all three seasons, you had at least one sequence that was done one shot in camera. Uh, the first in that hallway, the second down the staircase, and the third, the I think the best one in that prison. Oh, yeah. It, 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 really greatly choreographed sequence. And I think for the first time, you know, thanks Ben Affleck, but the first time we really got to see the character to its rightfully full potential. Yeah. And I think cast really well. I, I got to pick that one as well because of anything recently, that one's really kind of like really jumped out at me. It's good. No argument here. Excellent. Excellent. So before we before we uh, tap out for the week, we are going to uh, just do a few shout outs. I want to shout out Jonathan P who, um, you know, uh, sent us an email saying, you know, he's really excited about the upcoming cast. He was actually a pretty big fan of Shazam, but... Uh, wants us to keep the keep the keep the takes coming. He's 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 really liking what he's hearing. So thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Jonathan. And um, uh, for the viewers out there, we are on a couple new platforms right now. We're on Stitcher, Stitcher uh, Radio, and also TuneIn. So you know, if you want to subscribe to those platforms, if those are the ones you prefer, we're also on those ones as well. And you know, shout out to all the listeners from all over the world. You know, we're seeing stuff from Italy, Australia, Argentina. Mexico, Canada, and of course the U.S., you know, the, the outreach is, you know, always surprising me and Matt. So, you know, you keep, keep it up and, you know, we'll keep cranking these things out. Anything to add to that, Matt? Yeah, the numbers are really, really pretty astronomical, and that's just you all and word of mouth. So Jesse and I love doing this, and the fact that people want to listen to something that we love to do just every week sort of befuddles me, but mm-hmm. good on you all and God bless you. Excellent. So next week we are going to be tackling from 2002, we've talked about him already, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. And I'm excited to talk about this. You know, Matt Matt's a Spider-Man fanatic and I can't wait to get his take on this movie. What must have been a monumental day for you to see your favorite character on the silver screen. To that point in my life, the most monumental day in film of all time. Excellent. So you got that coming next week and raise one up, Matt. Cheers. Cheers, Jesse. And we'll see you all next week with our review of Spider-Man. Everybody have a good week, and we'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rise Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and leave us an email at risesmileproductions at gmail.com. Shazam is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, New Line Cinema, DC Films, The Saffron Company, Seven Bucks Productions, and Mad Ghost Productions, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Look, I lied, okay? I took your bullet. Who? No, no! No, no, no! no. Stupid adult hands! But you saw it! You saw it, right? Look, Freddy, I swear, it's me, okay? Look, I know we're not really close friends or anything, but you're the only person that I know that knows anything about this Cape Crusader stuff. It's Batman. What?
Forget it. <laughs>